All right, good morning. Good to see you at Sturkey Hills today. It's a good, good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. All right. Hey, i got to tell you a funny story. So last week, the last two weeks, uh, I preached on stealing. And, of course, when you get to the final part of that, you got to talk about Malachi 3 and talk about robbing from God. And so you leave as a preacher after you've preached on finances, which uh, we shared last week about 20, 25% of the people tithe and 75 to 80% of the people don't like when I talk about tithing. And so I see it in the faces. And so you, you can relax. I'm not talking about the day. I'm talking about something else you do. So uh, anyway... Uh, so you leave as a preacher and you feel a little bit like set apart, like rejected. You're like, ah, maybe that was too hard. So I'm praying. I said, Lord, you know, they may not come back, you know, and I wouldn't blame them, you know, kind of stomped around a little hard. And so I get a, a text on Sunday afternoon. I always get a giving statement. And just so you know, we t- we're very candid, very clear about this and transparent. Our average offering for the year is about $29,000 a week. That's how we come up with $1.3 million roughly a year as our budget. But last week, it was uh, about $75,000. And here's why. It's so cool. We have a lady in our church, a young girl, and uh, she's an emergency room nurse. And the guy had a heart attack, basically fell, wrecked his car, fell over. She pulled him out and gave him CPR in essence and saved his life and ministered to him, talked to him about the church and Jesus while he was recovering in 2019. And then in 2022, he got COVID and uh, he ended up ultimately dying. But when he, she was his nurse again, and when uh, he was dying, she's playing Christian music on her phone and prayed for him, just loving on him in Jesus' name. And so we get this gift on the, of all the weeks of 52 weeks in the year, the, the, the week that I preach on tithing, a $30,000 love offering came in uh, because this person had just loved on her brother in a big way. And it's like the Lord saying, Joel, listen, you just preach the truth, and people who want to listen to the, the reality of the blessed life in financial stewardship will listen. And at the end of the day, I have the cattle on a thousand hills, own the thousand hills they're sitting on. I'll send resources. I'm going to provide for the church. I just want to let you know, God is in the business of doing beautiful things in our lives and in our church. Amen? He's just a good God. And so that freed me up this week to talk about another commandment. All right? I've been liberated. I'm going to no, no holds barred. So here we go. We're in a, in a series called Exodus on the Move, and we're about halfway through this book, Exodus chapter 20. And we get to the Ten Commandments, so this series becomes a mini-series called the Ten Commandments. And we've covered eight of those, and we're learning them with our fingers. Number one, there's only one God. Have no other gods before me. Number two, two is too many. Never bow to another. Number three, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Keep his name holy. Watch what you say about him. Uh, Number four, two lowercase r's. Remember your rest. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Number five, salute, honor your father and your mother. Number six, no murder. Number seven, sex is for a man and a woman who are married and not all this other stuff. Number eight, it's harder to steal when you ain't got no thumbs. Number eight. And number nine, here it is, number nine, okay? No stealing. I swear to tell the whole truth, no, truth, no, not my truth. Okay? That's how we remember them. We're on number nine. No false testimony and no stealing. That's what we're going to talk about today. The title of the message, False Testimonies and Lies, Commandment. I said no stealing. A false testimony and lying, number nine. Now, on the back of your life guide, if you're a note taker, and I hope you are, because that way you can walk away and read it. What was it he said about that? Oh, yeah. And it'll help you be more pleasing in God's sight. Number one, the origination of false testimonies and lies. Now, here's the deal. If you can understand where this whole idea of false testimonies and lies come from, it'll help you better understand why God stands uh, adamantly opposed to it. 
why God has a view about false testimony and lies and why he's so serious about it. You see, this thing rings in at number nine on the top 10 list of everything he could have told us as a benchmark foundation for living a holy, God-pleasing life. God is very serious about us giving false testimony and lies. Now, when we read the origination of it comes right as we open the Bible, you see. In fact, the fall of mankind, the, 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 the thing that changed the trajectory and the complexion of humanity is false testimonies and lying. So God's serious about it. Now, when we open the Bible, we read two great chapters, man. Like God created everything. He's impressed with his own work. He said, whoa, that's good. Good, good, good. Really good. He's impressed with his work. And it's perfect. And it's amazing. Two chapters. And then we get to chapter number three and the wheels fell off the bus. And the rest of the Bible is a narrative about God redeeming and repairing and making right what we made wrong by believing the false testimony and the lies. And it caused this sin curse that every human being who's ever walked on the planet has in them. It's a big deal. Now when we read chapter 3, we, we learn about the origination of false testimonies and lies. And the false testimonies are against God himself. And so the origin of the lies come from the devil. Now, we not only learn about the origination of lies, we learn how we can be successful at lying. We just, we just have to learn how to tell a lie well. And just like anything else, this is true. You ready? Have you heard this, this expression? Practice makes perfect, right? It's true with lying. And I want you to know today, the devil is not good at lying because he's that smart. The devil is that good at lying because he's been practicing lies longer than you've been practicing discernment in discovering the lies. He's better at you not because he's smarter. He's better at you because he's been doing it much longer than you have. Now, in this we see that Satan knows that the best lie is a lie, not that it's some far-fetched, crazy, off-the-reservation, crackhead story. Uh, the best lie is a lie that's the closest to the truth. You see, if you can bury your lie in a little bit of truth, people are more susceptible to receiving it. It seems more palatable if we hear a little bit of truth amidst the lie. And so the first lie is just that, so close, but yet so far away. And so you know the drill. We, we, we find this, this uh, Mr. Crafty, if you will, uh, the serpent in the garden. And we can look at his life and we see that when we tell a lie, we do the same thing. I mean, you got to be, the, the Bible describes him as the most cunning of all creation. The, the shrewder than all other creations, craftier than the rest of creation. And so what does he do? He, he comes in and he's, you know the drill, he's going to stay cool. He, he's going to not look away. He's not going to twitch or change his pitch or he's not going to change his lines. And he's going to use a line we would use. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. 
He never backs up, you see, because he's been doing it a long time, and he knows exactly how to present a lie most appealing and most believable in our lives. And that's what he does. He's been doing it all along. So let's look at it in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was shrewder than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. Satan uses false testimony and lies to corrupt the whole world. The sin in your life, the sin in my life, the fact that Jesus had to come from heaven and die on a a cross to pay our sin debt is because false testimony and lie. It's a really big deal to God, and it should be a really big deal to us. Now, he goes on in the second part of verse 1 of chapter 3, and he says, so Satan now, being shrewder than all others, he said to the woman, now is it really true that God said you must not eat from any tree of the orchard? You see, false testimony. He begins to bring it in, false testimony. Is it really true? So let me tell you what the enemy does. First, he, in, he injects the idea of doubt. Like, okay, if, 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 if he can get me to doubt the goodness of God, if he, if he can get me to doubt how much God really loves me, even in the midst of the circumstances in my life, if he can get me to doubt the inerrancy and the infallibility and the eternal nature of every word that God speaks, He's got us headed in the right direction. You see, when we begin to doubt the truth of who God is and what he says, we cut the cord that connects us to the truth of God. And when we are no longer tethered to the truth of this book, it's open game. We're susceptible to hear and believe anything that comes our way. And so the devil's lies are hidden in partial truth. Now he says, Did God really say? Well, in fact, no. God did really say something to them. God was in a relationship with them, but he really didn't say that. In fact, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, God said, listen, you can eat from any of the other trees. Just don't eat the fruit of that one tree. You, You see, Satan took this broad truth, repackaged it, and injected doubt into it. And that's what he does for us. God said yes to everything that was good for us. He only said no to what he knew would hurt or damage us. That's the way God is. I want you to know that today. God wants what is good for you, best for you. And he will say no to the things that he knows in his sovereignty, the things that are going to hurt you. It's why it's so important that you and I are students of this book. Not just read it on occasion, but saturate our minds, our hearts, our spirits, and our lives with this book. We have to know what God says. Why? Because the devil knows what God says. You see, the devil knows this book. Because the devil knows I've got to know that book so I can manipulate it a little, inject a little bit of lie in the truth, saturate my lie with the truth, and people will believe it. And I'll have them right where I want them. 2 Timothy chapter 2.15 says, make every effort. To present yourselves before God, a proven worker who does not need to be ashamed, teaching the message of truth accurately, rightly dividing the word of truth. Tell the person next to you, you need to be in the Bible. Tell the person next to you, you need to read it every day. Tell the person next to you, you need to do what it says. Tell the person next to you, because the devil is watching your life. He knows who he's working with. Now, he had to be really good because, I mean, Adam and Eve are the, 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 the first 
of all of humanity. And they walked intimately in the garden with God, and God spoke directly to them. What does he do? He introduces false testimony and lies. And so, and so I want you to know today, there's nothing that the devil, the world, the flesh, and the devil, nothing the world, the flesh, and the devil can tell you that's going to benefit your life. You have all that you need in this book. All the information you need is in this book. In this book, we meet the Son of God for salvation. In this book, we meet the Spirit of God for interpretation. In this book, we learn of the future of God, which is glorification. In this book, we're introduced to the family of God for our exhortation. That's all we need. That's all we need. If we get that right, we don't need anything else. And if we don't need anything else, the devil... Uh, finds it more difficult to convince us how we can get what we don't need. You see, if we have everything we need, the devil doesn't have anything on us. And so we need to learn the truth and we need to live the truth. Now let's keep reading Genesis 3 verse 2. Now the woman said to the serpent, see he's already engaged her in conversation. Let me just warn you, never talk to the devil, you'll lose. Never talk to the devil because you will lose. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit from the trees of the orchard, Okay, that's true, right? That's what God said. And and then she goes on, but concerning the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the orchard, God said, you must not eat from it. True, true, okay? But then she says, and you must not touch it or else you'll die. There's no mention of that phrase in chapter two. There's no place where God says you can't touch it. You're just not supposed to eat it. You say, well, there's the first sin right there. That's false testimony. Not yet because that's not a sin. She hasn't been told not to give false testimony. That comes in Exodus chapter 20. The first sin was, he said, don't eat of the fruit of that one tree. And so that's what she's going to do. Now, Eve is engaging in conversation with the enemy. And that's when the enemy is injecting uh, the lies of doubt into her heart and into her mind. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on, after he's presented you and me with lies of doubt about the greatness of God, the truth of his word, and how much he loves us, then he actually goes, moves to lies of denial, okay? He goes on and he says this in verse 4, now the serpent said to the woman, oh, surely you won't die. He denies what God said explicitly would happen. Oh, surely you won't die. Now, this would make sense to Eve because Eve can look around and say, well, it's just me and Adam. If we die, how is he going to replenish the earth with people? How is he going to fill the earth with people if we die? So there must be something to this thing. You see, the devil is speaking the truth merged with the lie. And listen to me, truth with a little bit of lie injected in it is a lie. Partial truth is a lie. Now, The truth is this. This will help you. Here's the truth. It all boils down to this. In the garden, you have God who is the God of truth. You have Satan who is the Mr. Shrewd, Mr. Cunning, Mr. Crafty, the liar. Okay? I want you to understand something today. Here it is. God cannot lie. And the devil cannot tell the truth. I'm going to show you that in Scripture in just a minute. God can never lie. The devil can never tell the truth. And so in James, 
Chapter 1, we're introduced to the side of God about being truthful. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Do not be led astray, my dear brothers and sisters. All generous giving and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or the slightest hint of change. Listen, verse 18. By his sovereign plan, he gave us birth through the message of truth, that we would be a kind of first fruits of all he created. It's truth that actually gives us hope for salvation. It's the truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It is the truth of God that gives us hope, hope to be forgiven and restored with God. Titus chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, a slave of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's chosen ones and the knowledge of the truth that is in keeping with godliness. Verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before time began. You can... There's three examples. You can look throughout Scripture, and God always only tells the truth, even when it hurts. Now, on the other hand, in this scenario, in Genesis chapter 3, you have Satan. What do we know about Satan? Well, in John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus, the eternal God, made man. This is what he says about Satan. And, and, and Jesus has known Satan since Satan was created. Satan is a created being. Jesus, along with God the Father and God the Spirit, created Lucifer as an angel who rebelled against God. His name was changed to Satan, and he was banished from heaven. Now, this is what Jesus says about this one that he's known since, he's, since his creation. He says, you people are from your father, the devil, and you want to do what your father desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not uphold the truth because there is no truth in him. The devil is a lie all the time. And then he goes, whenever, he says, whenever he lies, he speaks according to his own nature. Some say it's his native language because he is a liar and he is the father of all lies now we see god who is truth the devil who is a lie and it's always that way the devil always lies god always tells the truth now the devil has the motive of murder and the method to accomplish his motive is lying so false testimonies and lies are a big deal to god now <clears throat> Lies and false testimony it's the, continues to be the number one tactic of the enemy against God. False testimony caused, caused a third of the angels to be banished from heaven and became demons. False testimony and lying created and caused the fall of mankind and the sin curse which you and I were born with. False testimony and lies uh, are the reason that Jesus was, was convicted and sentenced as guilty. The most innocent man who ever walked on the planet was convicted as guilty because of false testimony and lies. The masses of mankind who will spend eternity separated from God in hell are a product of false testimony and lies. Many of the worst things that happen in life, generally speaking, in your life and in my life and in the world are the product of false testimony and lying. 
And so when we consider the author and the origination of false testimony and lies, easily now we can transition into point number two. Point number two then is the opposition to false testimony and lies. Opposition to false testimony and lies. Exodus chapter 20 verse 16. Now we're back in our series. And this is the commandment. Commandment number nine says, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Now, some have paraphrased it, and if you look at some commandments, it'll say, thou shalt not lie. Well, it's true, thou shalt not lie. It's true that God is against all lying, generally and specific. But in this particular commandment, he's talking about in a legal situation, in a courtroom, that you shouldn't give false testimony against somebody else. You shouldn't lie about somebody else. Now, to give false testimony is to say anything that would cause an artificial assignment of guilt, cause damage to someone's reputation, or provide credibility to your own fabricated narrative. All of that would be considered false testimony, and God said it's wrong. Now, Scripture talks about lying. It's not the only place he talks about lying. It's a big deal. And I'll tell you at the end why this is such a big deal. But in Exodus chapter 23, God gives a, a, a message, more scripture to Moses, and this is what he says. You must not give a false report. Do not take common cause with the wicked to be a malicious witness. Verse 2, you must not follow a crowd and doing evil things. In a lawsuit, you must not offer testimony that agrees with a crowd so as to pervert justice. God wants us to give only truthful testimony. Now, we've all been invited to share a false testimony probably. Hey, even when we're growing up, will you tell them I did this? I'll give you a good one. When I was about 14, I had a friend of mine who was 16, and his mother had just bought a brand new Camaro, all right? So he calls me one day on the landline, and he says, because that's the era I lived in, he says, hey, mom just got this new Camaro, and she's going to let me take it for a ride. You want to go? And I'm thinking, why would she let you do that? Yes, I'll go. So I hung up, and I asked my mom, hey, Archie has his mom's car. He wants me to check it out. He wants to take me for a ride. She said, okay. Why she said, okay, I don't know, but I went. So I get in this new Camaro, and we left our house about a quarter of a mile, and there's a road called Reservoir Hill Road in Norris, Tennessee. At the time, it was all gravel. He pulled up past the first turn, and he gave the gas pedal a good stomp. And now we're sideways in the rocks. It's a brand new car. He's fishtailing, and then we're doing this up in the gravels, and I'm puckered up on the seat, and I'm, you know, I'm, I don't know what's going to happen. All of a sudden, that thing spinned around in a circle, went right off the bank, and slammed me into a tree in this brand new Camaro. And I'm like, what are we going to do now? I'm less than a half mile from my house, okay? And so he said, climb out that window because the door wouldn't open and push me. Now he's spinning rocks and stuff everywhere, and I'm pushing, and it came loose right down the whole side. So we get out, and we're looking at the car, and he's in tears because he's crashed his mom's car. And I said, uh, if it's okay, I'll just walk home. And he said, yeah. I said, what are you going to do? He said, I don't know yet. So that night, he called me, which let me know he was still alive, which is good, and he said, he said, well, I made it and everything's all right. I said, what'd you tell her? He said, I told her the truth. 
I said, you did? He said, yeah. I told her that we were coming around that curve down below the reservoir, and that other truck came around on the wrong side of the road, and we ran off in the ditch. And he said, that's the truth. I said, okay, I got it. Okay. <laughs> now, that's a false testimony, and that's inviting me into false testimony. Now, I, never, I don't know that I ever had to share that false testimony, but he lied, and if I would have agreed with it and shared it, I would be lying. That's false testimony. And it's so easy. False testimony is a choice that we make to improve our personal situation. And it may be partially true, and it, but it may be connected to a lie. And if it's connected to a lie, it's no longer the truth. It is a lie. So what about general lying? Let me just give you a few just so you know God doesn't like lies. Leviticus 19.11, you must not lie or deceive one another. Pretty clear. Psalm 34.13, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. Psalm 101.7, no one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who tells lies shall stand in my presence. That's a biggie. Proverbs 12.19, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts a moment. Proverbs 19.5, a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will not escape. Proverbs 24.28, do not testify against your neighbor without cause, and do not deceive with your lips. Colossians 3.9, do not lie to one another. Let me tell you something about how serious God is about false testimony, and in particular, lying. God hates, Scripture says God hates six things, and two of them are lying. That's kind of odd, isn't it? God, he's going to list six things, and two of them are going to be the same thing, basically. God hates six things, and two of them are lying. Listen to what Scripture says in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. There are six things that the Lord hates. That's what it says. Seven that are detestable to him. The first one is haughty eyes, pride. And then number two rings in a lying tongue. There's one. And then he says one who hands Hands that shed innocent blood, heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that run swiftly to evil, and then he rings in false witness, those who give false testimony. Six things he hates, seven that are detestable, and two of them have to do with telling false testimony and lies. It's a pretty big deal to God. Amen? Amen. So is it ever okay to lie? Because after all, there's lies in the Bible that seem to work out okay. Think of uh, uh, the midwives in Exodus. The midwives were told by Pharaoh to murder the babies at birth. And, and, and they don't. They, they let the little, or the little boys. The little baby boys get to live. So when they get confronted by the leaders of Egypt, they say, well, listen, these Hebrew women, they have babies fast. Like, Shoop, there it is. We weren't even there. So that's why we didn't kill them. We weren't there. They're fast. All right? And in the process, God used that lie to save the life of Moses, the emancipator and liberator, and the author of the first five books in the Bible. So it seems like lying was okay. No, it wasn't. It was a lie. What about Rahab? Rahab hangs a scarlet ribbon in the window so, uh, so the spies would be safe. Rahab, when asked about it, lied and said, I don't know where they're at. She's a liar. And yet in the New Testament, Rahab finds her place in the direct lineage of Jesus so lying must not be that bad. Listen, Rahab had bigger issues than lying. She was a prostitute. Okay, I mean, if you're a prostitute, you're probably going to lie too. God, listen, God did not put Rahab in the lineage of Jesus. God did not bless those midwives and give them families of their own because they told a lie. God blessed them because he knew the intention 
of their heart. Lying is a sin. Tell the person next to you lying is a sin. Tell the person next to you you shouldn't do that anymore. Because we all lie sometimes. Now, so what about a lie in the Bible? Sometimes the Bible is given purely as description. Sometimes the Bible is given purely as prescription. The story of the midwives, the story of Joshua, that's description. The Ten Commandments, that's prescription. Things we should, in fact, apply to our lives. J.I. Packer said this, there can be no godliness without truthfulness. There can be no godliness without truthfulness. And so that leads us, we've talked about origination. We've talked about opposition. Now we're going to talk about the variation of false testimony and lying. And so to begin this part, it's always fun to begin with a pop quiz. So here's the pop quiz. Has anybody in here ever given a false testimony about somebody else? Raise your hand. Okay. Has anybody in here ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Now, the ones that didn't raise your hand, you just did, so welcome to the Liars Club. You just gave a false testimony about yourself. I had somebody one time tell me this. He goes, I haven't, I literally have not told a single lie in three years. I said, I'm going to get off the phone now because I'm not going to have a conversation. That's a lie. We all lie. We sometimes lie to our children. We think we're protecting them. Sometimes our children lie to us because they think they're protecting themselves. Okay? Um, We lie in business. Did you already ship that? Oh, it's gone. I'm surprised it's not on your porch. You know? Uh, Did you make that change on my insurance? Oh, yeah, it's changed. Well, oh, no. I mean, we lie. We just do. We get, all of a sudden, we think a lie would be better than the truth. The variations are really unlimited. And so I've thought of a, a few areas where we know about lies. Politicians. What about that? Salespeople. <laughs> I got some in here. They're like, nope. Engineers, police officers, lawyers, drug addicts, criminals, children, parents, <laughs> preachers. It's everywhere. It's even in the church. It's everywhere. Not intentional necessarily, but if we're not careful, once we step into that arena, It's so much easier to tell another lie. God knows that, and the devil knows that. Uh, Let me give you an example. Have you ever lied about your child's age so they can eat free or get in cheap? (laughs) Nobody in here, but you know people who have done that. That'd be false testimony. Definitely go to hell for that one. That's a biggie, okay? That's lying, right? Okay, have you ever said anything about anyone that you could not personally prove to be true in a court of law. (laughs) Crickets. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. And and so I made a, there's two broad categories. One would be slander. Slander is false testimony shared to impact the character of another person in an adverse way. These are negative comments against someone that includes deception False or partial information. Anybody ever done that one? Just me. Flattery is the other end of the equation. The pendulum swings. Flattery are false compliments for personal gain or for benefit. And these two categories, Scripture speaks about. Proverbs chapter 26, 28 says, A lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it, and a flattering mouth works 
ruin. Slanderers say things behind your back that they would never say to your face. Flatterers say things to your face that they would never say behind your back. And these two broad categories are there. Now, beyond that, the variations are really unlimited. Have you ever said, I know for a fact that this person said this or did this, but you weren't there, you don't have video proof of it. The reason you think it is a fact, because the person that told you said it was a fact. If you share a fact that is somebody else's fact, that's false, potentially false testimony, because you don't know for certain that it was a fact. What about a woman who says, my husband never tells me he loves me anymore? Never is a long time of nothingness. Maybe he said it years ago. Maybe he's like that one guy. He married his wife, and 50 years later, they were in divorce court. The lady said, he never tells me he loves me. He said, when we got married, I told you I love you. If I change my mind, I'll let you know. She never tells me. Maybe never is a broad word, false testimony. Have you ever made statements about a person that you really don't know personally, and the place where you get your information is not a personal connection validated to be true have you ever made comments like Donald Trump is a crook and a and he doesn't pay his taxes have you ever said that have you ever thought or said or excuse me have you ever said Joe Biden is a nut who doesn't know what day it is <laughs> have you ever said Nancy Pelosi is a witch <laughs> I've never said that stuff but I've, I've heard people say that okay and in all three cases, they may be true. But I can't say that as if I know, or that would be false testimony and lying, right? Are you getting the point? And yet we do it every day. I, I like this one. Somebody recently said, man, I heard Sturkey Hills, man's on fire. It's growing. Lots of people coming there. And I got all excited with them. I say, oh, yeah, it is going good. God's been good. That's my kind of go-to answer. God's been good. He's been good. And this is the next question, most often. So how many people are attending there? I said, I don't know, somewhere between 12 and 1,300. Now you're thinking, we have that many? No, we got about 625 or 650. But that is right in between 12 people and 1,300 people. I mean, it's almost in the middle. So, I mean, I wasn't lying. You think I'm lying? Do your math. 12, 1,300 minus 12 divided by 2, it's, it's going to be around 6-something, which is where we are. So spot on. Now, I didn't really say that. I thought of that when I was putting the message together, so I may start saying it in the future. Because it does sound good, doesn't it, 12 or 1,300? Okay, somewhere between 12 and 1,300, all right? No, that would be false testimony. Because it's partial truth. It's deceptive truth, which is a lie. All of those truths mixed with lies become lies, and it's false testimony. Okay, what about this one? What about relative truth? What is a rel relative truth? Are you ready? Men, your wife says, does this dress make me look fat? <laughs> relative truth says, you mean like relative to a buffalo or, you know. Or what, what are we talking, what, 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 no, no, the answer is no. I ran it through there, no. That's the answer, man, it's always no, okay? What about, do you like my new haircut or my new hair color? <laughs> the answer is yes, relative to anything, okay? I've changed that recipe for the spaghetti, do you like it? Relative to starvation, I love it, okay? I, you see, 
That's what we do in our minds. We find ways. You see, all Satan did is launch the thing with false testimony about God and, and uh, lies about the reality that God is all truth. And we have it in our DNA. And if we're not careful, we live more in a lie than we do the truth. So we have origination, oppos- opposition, and variation. Now, number four. The instrumentation for false testimony and lie. So after the fall of mankind, what would be the instrument of choice to propagate and propel the idea of false testimony and lie? Everybody stick your tongue out at me. Disgusting. Put that up. That's it. That's the instrument of choice that the devil would use to propagate this idea of false testimony and lies. James chapter 3, this is what he says. He doesn't give us a warm-up period. or he, he just rings in at a 10 about the tongue. He says, so too the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it has great pretensions. Think how small a flame sets a huge forest ablaze. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue represents the world of wrongdoing among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the entire body and sets fire to the course of human existence and is set on fire by hell. Well, he, boy, that's big. I mean, he just came screaming in big at a 10 to get the memo. Now, where did, where did James, who's he think he is, coming in saying that kind of stuff? He got his information from his big brother. Who's that? Jesus. James is... Big brother Jesus, this is what Jesus said in Matthew 15, verse 18. The things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and, the, and these things defile the person. For out of the heart come evil ideas and murder and adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. These are the things that defile a person. False testimony reveals the condition of the heart. And it defiles the person. That's why God said, do not give false testimony against your neighbor. That's why scripture says, do not lie. Because it reveals to God, the devil, and the world the condition of our heart. And so we can be sucked in like a vacuum into false witness because it is literally everywhere we go. Our heart gets hurt by something, and we begin to share a narrative about that heart being hurt. If we're not extremely careful and extremely precise with our details, our true narrative gets injected with false testimony and lies, and all of a sudden, the reason we're hurt is built upon a lie. It is that simple. And so we need to be careful when we're disappointed or hurt Because the enemy will help us generate false testimonies and lies to help us pacify, satisfy, and ease the condition of our heart. And once we begin to share these stories before we know it, we believe the whole thing as if it's all true. And so we need to be people of the truth. Because when we share false testimony and we lie, we begin to believe it. Satan begins to love it. And God hates it. And it's that simple. Which leads us to point number five as we finish. The culmination of false testimonies and lies. 
the culmination. What happens when somebody just lives the life of a lie? What happens when we just engage in sharing false testimony and lies? What happens when we embrace other people's false testimonies and lies? Proverbs 13, verse 5, says it leads to shameful disgrace. It says, the righteous person will reject anything false, but the wicked person will act in shameful disgrace. He says people will either live in the truth or they'll live in the lie. What does that look like? In chapter 3, when, when Eve was deceived and she took the bite of the forbidden fruit, handed it to her husband who was standing there with her, and he partook of that fruit, and they both were instantly, they began to die. Now, they went from being, Scripture says, naked and unashamed, walking with God in the coolness of the morning. It, they left that estate, and they made fig leaves to cover their nakedness, and they hid in the bushes because of shame. What Proverbs says paints a picture of what Adam and Eve did, and it's true for you and me. When we lie, when we give false testimony, we ultimately live in shameful disgrace. Secondly, false testimony and lies, they spread like a virus among those that we influence. Proverbs 29, 12 says, If a ruler listens to lies, all of his ministers will be wicked. It just begins to spread among everybody. Everybody starts embracing false testimony, creating false testimony, lying, and it becomes natural to us. It becomes okay. Thirdly, the tongue reveals what level of wisdom we walk in. Proverbs 17, 28 says, even a fool who remains silent is considered wise, and the one who holds his tongue is deemed discerning. That says this, it's better to be quiet and let people think you are ignorant than to open your mouth and take away all doubt. Fourthly, a person who lies embraces others who do the same. Romans 1.32 says, Although they fully know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them but also approve of those who practice them. Lying just grows to a place that not only do we lie and give false testimony, we support others who do the same. Refusing to believe the truth is choosing to believe the lie. And what we believe determines who we are and how we behave. That's why God is so serious about being, about us living in the truth. The reason for the commandments we've shared is not to help us understand and believe that we're just so good at obeying the commandments. All of the commandments, including commandment number nine, don't give false testimony and lie. All of the commandments just point to the, revel uh, they give revelation to us that we are in desperate need of an outside source of rescue. We can't do this ourselves. <clears throat> Jesus has to come from heaven. And die on a cross to pay our sin debt because we can't do the Ten Commandments. Not in the Old Testament, not amplified in the New Testament. We, we, we fail miserably at all of them. And so 2 Thessalonians 2 says this is the end result of breaking the commandments. It says because they found no place in their hearts 
for truth so as to be saved. Consequently, God sends them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. And so all of them who have not believed the truth but have delighted in evil will be condemned. Here it is. This is why God wants you to walk in the truth and to know the truth and to have your life saturated with the truth of this book. It's because at the end of the day, your eternal destiny, my eternal destiny will hinge on what we do with the truth. You see, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's our truth. That's our access to heaven, okay? And if we believe anything other than that, anything that that is merged to or diluted with, we buy the lie. If this is my last day on earth and I stand before God and God reveals my eternal destiny, it will be heaven if my life is built on the truth of Jesus Christ. It will be hell if I believe anything other than Jesus for my salvation. That's why God rings this in as a commandment. Because he loves us. And he wants to be with us forever. And he's done everything possible through the finished work of Jesus. His crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection. And so the question today for you is this. If you stand before God today, will you be in heaven because you've believed the truth of God's word and the finished work of Jesus or have you bought the false testimony of the world the flesh and the devil which will land you in a place called hell it's that simple I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes Father I come to you right now and I I thank you God for your word of truth I thank you God for the commandments I thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit who helps us understand what you're even talking about. God, I thank you for every person that's gathered here and those who are watching online. God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts, God, and let us know with certainty that we are either children of the truth of Jesus Christ or, God, that we're not your children at all, that we have believed the lie and the false testimonies of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And God, I pray on this very day that there would be those who would yield themselves to Jesus for salvation, that this would be the day, God, that they would be adopted into your family forever, and they would know that their life is built on truth and truth alone, not some diluted variety, not some merged variety of all these other things, but the truth and the truth alone. Father, I, I give you this morning, I give you this response time. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will do a work. I pray, God, that people haven't heard the words of this preacher, but they've heard the word of your Holy Spirit through your word. And God, we pray for those that would be saved today that your Holy Spirit would just fill them up and help them live for you from this day forward. God, we give you praise. We give you glory for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.